Hey, everybody. Welcome to Linux for the Rest of Us, episode 256, the Linux podcast all about trying to drive all these high-tech, hardcore Linux topics and bring them down to an end-user level that everyone can enjoy, whether you're the expert or the noob. Joining me once again is the always honorable and talented Mr. Nadu. How's everything going, sir? Greetings and salutations, everyone. Thanks for having me on again, Dorf. It's going good over here. No problem, no problem. Uh, greetings and salutations. I did miss Chad's like 12.30 at Saturday night ping of, hey, what's up? <laughs> So, sounds about right. <laughs> and, and I was really upset at myself, but he pinged me back Sunday morning. No worries, I'll catch you next week. Ah, oh, bummer, dude. That, he, he was uh, he was sad you left him hanging. Um, yeah, but I should say I've done that more than a couple of times in the last year. But he's always cool when we can hang out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's good like that. And I will encourage any old in air quote Linux podcaster who wants to just catch up. Don't hesitate. Ping me on any platform you want. Depending on the platform, we'll directly re, um, make my uh, respond time, you know, longer or shorter. So, uh, exactly. like the old guy said in Indiana Jones and um, number three, choose wisely. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> okay. Remember um, how we used that with the Pepsi commercial? Or was yeah. it Coke or something like that? Yeah. 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 Um, the f- first thing I just wanted to just throw out there, Jonathan, and I don't know why everybody will not stop talking about it, but I guess I'm going to be one of those guys for at least a couple seconds. And that is, <laughs> uh, Elon Musk buying Twitter. Number one, don't care. Uh, number two, the problem with Twitter isn't the ownership. Number three, I really don't care about Twitter in general. Um, I don't think it's a lifeblood. I think if it goes away tomorrow, we as a independent society lose nothing. Um, and yet everyone keeps acting like this is like the end of the world coming. And because one person is controlling anything, uh, all hell is going to break loose and democracy as we know, is going to go away. You you know, my, my thing about this is as technology people, like, you know, like you're not the smartest guys in the world. We, We understand some of this stuff. Like my problem with this whole thing is like, Hey people, Twitter isn't the internet. Like, let them do whatever you want. I don't care. Don't use Twitter. Like, Twitter's not the internet, people. Like, let them do whatever he wants. Like, let him drive the thing into the ground. I don't know. Like, I don't, like, just people freaking out about this whole thing and him owning it. I mean, yeah, it's scary. One individual now owns all this freaking data. Like, that's the scariest part of it all. But you're right, Dor. Like, as a service or whatever, like, my life wouldn't change at all if it, Twitter goes down tomorrow. Yeah, and like the analogy I'm going to use is from the podcast called Built for Tomorrow. Um, when bicycles were new, in air quotes, literally, when bicycles were new, um, mass media in America said you cannot let your woman have a pedal bicycle or else she will never get off of it because of the vibrations will call uh, yep, yep, endless yep, enjoyment. Yeah, I telling me about that. And people will die. Um, let's just, you know, meet like Roy Rogers and slow down once in a while. Um <laughs> this is no different than Jeff Bezos buying the Washington Post. This is no different than the people before him buying television stations when they got rich. Right. This is no different than the people before them buying radio stations when they became rich. This is no different than people before them buying local newspapers because once you become rich, your number one first goal is to control the narrative. Right. That's nothing's changed. This is literally like people fear mongering over margarine all again. Um, yeah, exactly. 
if he poisons the well and 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 this is a true historical thing let's say that if he tries to poison the well and blame the jews we'll just go someplace else exactly and that's about <laughs> Um, there yeah, is no it, secret sauce with with Twitter. There's no special software with Twitter. Uh, and now, what I'll say in reality, the problem with Twitter again isn't the ownership, isn't the software, isn't the servers, isn't the connectivity, isn't the ads, isn't the interface, isn't the interactions. I think the problem with Twitter is the people who are on it, just like Facebook. Mm, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know what's funny? Like every social media it does have like a, a kind of person, right? Like. There, there are definitely like people that you know they probably have all four social media, whatever, like Snapchat, Facebook. They have all that, but they're everyone always has one they lean more towards or whatever they use more heavily than the others. And uh, it's just interesting. You can usually tell, like, oh yeah, that that person probably used Instagram way more than anything else or whatever. Like, I don't know. It's a, it's interesting to see how different people flock to you know different social media sites for obvious reasons you know like obviously instagram's more focused on you know images and all that stuff and twitter i honestly i honestly don't know what twitter's even like where they even fit into all this because it's like instagram i get it's like all pictures stuff like that you know tiktok i get it quick videos sure facebook get that too connecting with family blah 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 but twitter like me as a blind person if i look at tweets they're such a mess like, yeah, it's all, like, Twitter speak and Twitter code because you have to, like, you know, you, have, you can only use so many characters or whatever. I don't know. It, it, it looks like a complete mess as a blind person when I look at it, uh, like, the stream of tweets. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, the part of the, part of the problem is the girth behind it and because of how many people that are on it, there's all these different silos where there's young Twitter, old Twitter, black Twitter. I mean, there's oh, all these right. different, like, right. in, in air quote, Twitter verses, which to me just once again puts a little like concrete stone in the ground. Why I think WT.social is such a smarter atmosphere for text driven and picture driven social interfaces because the first thing you do on WT.social, which is a uh, Wikimedia owned guy, um, oh man, I can't remember his name now, but he owns that one too. Um, oh, where, okay, okay. Where the first thing you do when you join WT Social is you pick what interests you have, not oh, that's cool. What kind of celebrity mental invalid you would like to follow? Um, <laughs> so, like the logic is, is if I join the Flat Earther Society in WT Social, what's the chance I'm going to be flame baiting them? Right. You know. Right. Um, so right. more than so more than likely, at least with that social type text driven Twitter scrolling like interface you're at least going to be interfacing with people you initially agree with i i think don't hold me to this but i think wt social is uh the new social oh it absolutely is there's no doubt okay. when i log into it i see a four-year-old gnu social interface um and it's jimmy wales he's the guy that owns wt social. Oh, okay 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 yeah because gnu social used to be <sighs> Man, I, I can't it went through like four iterations, and none of them yeah, were I successful. Yeah, I, I can't remember what it was originally. Identica. Yeah, thank you. That, that was one. That's of what it was. Yeah. That's what it was. It originally was Identica, and so yeah. and none of them have been successful at all. And now that exact same code base is Mastodon. Okay. Um, right. Right. And here's a perfect example of why Mastodon has zero chance of being successful whatsoever. Good friend of the show, Jeff Owens. Longtime friend of the show, Jeff Owens. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Super nice guy, super smart guy, super guy who just wants to help other people. 
He spent three hours today trying to join Mastodon servers. He kept getting oh, dude, messages. Dude, saying, don't like, even get me. Don't <laughs> even get me started. I've tried joining them. It, it's like pulling teeth. It is. And then when he got, well, it kept saying like limit full, everything full. Blah, blah, blah. Then he found one where there was actually openings. And when he went to join, they said that his handle was banned because it was racist. His wow. handle everywhere he goes is Black Hammer. And Black Hammer, I believe, is a Marvel comic reference. Yeah, yeah. So um, so he was like livid, like like top balloon kind of thing. I said, well, the only see here's why Mastodon can't succeed. Mastodon isn't Mastodon. Mastodon is a collection of mental invalids who are on BBS type atmospheric systems. Where in right. reality you have to own your own Mastodon instance, then once you can, basically you're 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 spending your day banning people and banning groups and banning this and banning that because all these people keep trying to say things that you don't agree with and you think that are wrong and you think that are stupid. To quote the lady in the Chicago apartment complex, I ain't got time for that. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, Mastodon it, it... will come crashing down in a, in a devastating like ballistically horrifyingly burial fire that can only be equated to like literally a star dying man well that's what uh next so next next cloud is coming in and implementing are they implementing the new social into next well, cloud? is that what they're doing the impression i get they're literally calling it like nc social and it's going to be a type of gnu social mass and on type instance but there's going to be some sort of curation at the core to where they're going to rate servers. I don't know. Okay. Uh, okay. Dare I say, like the China government, they're going to rate their social score on what's good and what's decent, when what's bad and what's good. Um. So I'm interested to see where that goes. Um. I'd much rather have more faith if they launched Google Plus again. But you know. <laughs> well, I mean, the next cloud thing could be interesting if they. Uh, put it into their core system and all that because they already have that article. I was even thinking said like 400 servers or something like that. Like, and like they could have access to like tens of millions of users right away. So I was like, well, I mean, that's interesting. Well, and I will say, yeah, it's NextCloud 3 Hub, which is the next major version release. It's going to be part of that. And, and here's how it really could work kind of like how Slack, the reason why Slack is successful has nothing to do with the software, the interface, it has nothing to do with that. It just has to do with who early adopted it. It was major companies. Um, so if the major companies that already are utilizing NextCloud as infrastructure, which to be honest, there's a lot of them doing it, it would simply be a question of just ticking that box to where now company A has a Twitter-like platform to communicate with company B. Yeah, yeah. So it could have its own little niche of successfulness. Um, I will say I love the fact that um, nextcloudpi.com is the new website. It used to be own your bitch. You can go to nextcloudpi.com. You can download multiple different types of in uh, architecture nextcloud uh, stuff. So it's uh, Rock Pi, Raspberry Pi, Odroid XG4, I think, and just load it on there and just one click, you're up and running and it works so far good I'm not gonna say fantastic or great but it definitely gets you up into the um ecosystem that's cool so is it easy to set up like your own domain or whatever like to your next cloud instance and stuff like that um well your own domain is going to be how difficult it is to your own domain the actual uh, local installation is a web-driven wizard with like two oh, questions okay. only like do you want to use external storage for your media and um 
do you want to um, set up um, um, port forwarding? After that, okay. when you when you load it up in the administrator infer- interface, you can uh, enter what is acceptable domains. Hypothetically, oh, cool. you go to nc.potnuts.com. It redirects you to my next cloud domain, which I had to go into my um, uh, config panel and say whitelist this domain, or else when you tried to access it, you got a you're trying to access this domain outside of the network kind of. Oh message. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was not difficult at all, but it does require at least okay, maybe not a Jordy LaForge level or a Scotty level of engineering in the Star Trek verse, but at least somebody like you know ab- above an ensign level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know. Well, you know, here's the whole thing. Me, as a nerd, as what I like to think of as a intellectual entrepreneur, my business is information. You know what I mean? I love competition, and I love people wanting to say, I'm now going to put my stake in the ground and own this ecosystem. Come at me. Because then I love to see what kind of things like perk up from nowhere and just all of a sudden become incredibly competitive. So I'm interested to see in like a year to year and a half, what is popular, what is less popular. But if any platform has Ashton Kushner on it, I'm not going to be on it. (laughs) So, so if you see an A plus K profile come up on, uh, on the the next cloud, uh, Social site, they're going to cancel it, delete yours. <laughs> yeah. Well I, well, I joined WT Social, and I loved the onboarding process. I thought it was perfect. I thought it was great. And after using it for like three minutes, I said, this is far too many words. I can't read this many words. I'm, okay, I'm done. Oh, uh, like well, like once you got set up and you're like looking through your, your stream or whatever of like the, I guess you not, not being called tweets or whatever, but whatever the messages are you're saying. Yeah, it's just all text driven. and. Uh, yeah, yeah. Too much text just literally puts me to sleep. It'd be interesting, like if um, you know, next since next cloud is um, implementing you know the social media stuff into the into their software. It'd be cool if they use like the you know their storage for like image sharing and stuff like that. It's kind of it's interesting that they tie it into their whole system. Yeah, I will say they already have really baked into the core um, address book users kind of thing, oh, um, calendaring. Cool emails, huh. um, inner messaging when you're on the same server and then using federation, yeah. you can then extend them out easily to those other networks. So this is literally going to be um, almost like what NextCloud Talks chat feature is, but only chat and chat history. Because uh, NextCloud Talk is like their implementation of Teams and Teams chat or Google Meet and Google Meets like video oh, chat. Oh, okay. Okay. And, and if you don't run it on a Raspberry Pi 4 and you run it on actual x86 hardware, it runs miraculously good. Like crisp oh, images. Yeah, I, I believe it. And I really like, it. yeah, because you know and I know the backend technology is simply RTC and the Opus codec, a.k.a. technology from 2012. Right. <laughs> right. So you uh, ping me about having a new uh, experience you wanted to go over. Oh yeah, well I I didn't have, I didn't experience this, but I saw this. I was doing some homework on another project, and I was like, oh, that's good news to see. So Arch Linux actually, I don't know when they made this change officially, but uh, with their their official ISO now, they make a, uh, a a screen reader supported installation process in the bootloader now. So I was like, that's awesome, because before I had a friend that actually. Uh, Oversaw or, or managed like the, the, there was a, a, a distro he made called Talking the Talking Arch ISO, 
And basically all he did was took the regular Arch ISO and just literally had, he basically did what Arch did with the, their ISO now. He just would make the speak up, uh, start talking right away when the ISO came up. And so he stopped making that ISO a while ago. And I wonder if, uh, I don't know, someone must have put a bug in Arch Linux ear or something and said, hey, just, you know, put this, this uh, extra like screen, screen reader supported installation thing entering the bootloader. And so that's what they did. And so one, one thing, um, it'd be cool. Uh, I might like actually reach out to them because one thing that I saw is they put a 15 second, uh, like timer on the, uh, on the on like the installation process when it got to like the bootloader section after 15 seconds it would time out and it would automatically choose like whatever the first selection is on the bootloader but it would be cool if they took that that same sequence and instead of making it choose the bootloader it would make more sense for the the screen reader installation thing to start talking right away because a blind person would just sit at a bootloader and not know what to do so it would make more sense because that's what um Triskel did when I worked with them at the FSF. They had the live session come up on Triskel and you waited 10 or 15 seconds and after you waited, literally Orca would just start talking. Orca would turn on itself and start talking. And then, yeah, you, yeah. Could, then you could do the installation. Yeah, it was uh, Triskel was the distro I could not remember to save my life. I remember when I met that guy, I thought to myself, holy crap, this guy could stop what he's doing today and like in like three weeks from now be a millionaire. Such Probably. a, sm- he such was a like smart kid. Insanely smart. Yeah. Just like wicked, wicked smart dude. Insanely young too. I mean, you know, he was way younger than I thought he was. He was like in his early twenties or something like yeah. that. He, he was like 23, 24 and he outdrank nearly everybody at that conference. Oh yeah. He was, uh, he, I think he was from Spain. So yeah. Ruben, uh, Ruben Rodriguez. Yep. So exactly. He, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought that was cool to see. Like, yeah, there's still some accessibility stuff kind of moving forward in the Linux world. So that was, that was cool to see. Well, and I, and I, and I will say, um, you know, um, I can pretend like I need an accessibility. I can pretend like I need something, but to actually need it, you know, I cannot emulate. And what you said is the kind of thing that only you, a person like you in your shoes can actually truly understand. Look, people, if you boot up and you don't touch anything, you shouldn't just drop into the, you should automatically launch the Orca screen reader first because right. if, because me as a, as a sighty, if, exactly. <laughs> if I boot and I get that, all I'm going to do is just reboot again. Right. And then I'll, I'll hit buttons quicker kind of thing. But uh, for people who need that accessibility, that is the absolute, in my opinion, apropos way to introduce you to having that feature. Yeah, no, totally. Like, like I said, when I saw Ruben do that and he, we, he, he made the ISO. He sent me a link. He's like, download it. Try, you know, try it out. It's like, boot into live session. It should start. And when I did that, I was like, this is amazing. You know, like, literally, it was, you know, I mean, I don't want to say life changing or whatever, but look, if you're a totally blind person, you got no sighted people around to help you or whatever. It's, it's kind of life changing to have an operating system you can install and run with no help. You, well, you know? Well, and to me, it does both at the same time. It appears to the, Cites that is just a normal Linux distro, and exactly. to and to the non Cites, it appears like well, hell, this distro was made for me. Exactly, exactly, dude. Like, and it's literally a few lines of code he did it in. <laughs> you know? Right, right. Oh yeah, exactly. But yeah, well, that's the whole thing. The most advanced is in technology actually require the fewest amounts of bits and bytes. It's just where you put them and how you put them. Exactly, for real. 
So yeah, yeah. No, it, like I said, it's good. It's good to see stuff is moving forward. Still, I, I, I would say sadly, the state of accessibility in Linux is kind of looks like the way I left it when I, <laughs> when I, when I, uh, you know, kind of got out of out of uh, the community for a little while and coming back into it, I'm just kind of like, ooh, we haven't we haven't made too many steps forward. So yeah. that, that's a little disconcerting, but yeah, I'll say. And to me, the other. <sighs> And this is one of those things, Jonathan, I, I, between you and me, I have extremely vexed opinions on. Um, everybody in technology, not using technology, but everybody in the technology sphere understands why accessibility is needed. It isn't needed for convenience sake. It's needed because there's percentages of people out there who otherwise can't use it, period. Mm. Okay. There's lots of money on the floor. There's lots of eyeballs. Sorry eyeballs or yeah, earballs yeah. on the floor kind exactly. of thing that, that they're like just leaving on the floor and to leave them on the floor is incompetence. Number one. So with that stated, I want everything out there to be pushing people to be more accessible. And then I'm listening to an uncle Leo podcast because, oh, yeah. because I'm deranged and I don't, and I want to just be inundated with ads. And then one of his ads is literally for a company that's saying that they can, integrate into your software development stack to make your software more accessible. Yeah. And I have such mixed cringe. well, I have such mixed feelings about it because at least now people are talking about it. Yeah. At, at least now certain customers are aware that such a thing is out there. But I don't like the idea of a company because literally you and me know all they're doing is literally scanning code and looking for alt text and then prompting right. you to insert alt text. That's all they're doing. Yeah. For them to make money, enough money off that, that they can afford Uncle Leo advertisement makes me throw up in my mouth. Oh, exactly, man. Like, I saw an ad on uh, Facebook talking about, uh, it was more talking about like, web accessibility. And, and on, on this ad, literally, this was one of the lines, and I, and I commented on the ad. It was like, don't worry. Are you worried about like web accessibility for your website? We got you covered. Just install our, our JavaScript on your website. And this was literally the line. And we'll take away all those pesky lawsuits. That was wow. literally a line in the ad. Wow. So I, I commented on the line uh, on the ad and I was like, Hey, I forgot. I was like, Oh, great ad or whatever. And I was like, as a blind person, my favorite line was this one. And I, you know, and I, I copied and pasted the take away those pesky. I was like, good to, see, good to see where your, uh, where your, your aim is here with, for accessibility. You know, I was just like, the, you, cause you don't want us pesky people bothering you, you know, to like make your website accessible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, and geez. what they don't get is exactly, it's exactly like a hospital being sued. Because there's a fat curb that people in wheelchairs can't get in their hospital. Right. It is literally right. the exact same kind of thing. And nobody, I have to hope, wish and pray, nobody would walk up to that hospital and say, you shouldn't fix this curb. Right. You know, so it's, you know, we live in, uh, I don't know, interesting times. People, it seems like people are starting to care, but like, uh, to a weird extent. But like well, I said, that. You know, like, I guess really quickly, I'll say, I'll say one thing. We're talking about this earlier. Like, I, I started working for IEEE and one, one thing that we're going to be working on with the team that I'm on is sort of this thing where it's like, we're going to be talking about accessibility, but it, it should be 
part of the design process. It should be part of the programming process. Like accessibility doesn't should never be bolted on afterwards. Accessibility should never be like you know, oh, let's make this separate app to make things easier. No, accessibility should be taught at the programming level where, you know what, part of your process of putting together an app, it, making sure it's accessible is one of the checkboxes you need to have checked. So if we get people developing from the word go with accessibility in mind, that's going to make everything way better. Yeah, the way I'll put it is it shouldn't even be called accessibility. Right. It, and like it and like in HTML terms it shouldn't be called alt text. It should be called right. dis, it, it should just be called description. Mm, mm. Or like something basic to where it doesn't it, it it doesn't translate to something that's not used by everybody because technically it can be used by everybody. Um and here's the other analogy I'm going to throw out there. Um here's how it's different. I can't explain to you actually how it's different, but here's an analogy how it's different. We're walking down the street. If I walk up to you, and just ask you what your email and password is, you're going to look at me like I'm an idiot. <laughs> if I walk up to you and say, hey, what's your phone number? I got to send you something. You're not going to give me a phone number. If someone knocks at your door and says, hello, um, uh, from the local tax commission, I was told I need to uh, figure out just how much taxes you owe. What's your social security number again? Right. Nobody right. would give them the information. But for some reason, if someone texts you, hey, Jack, and then you respond, hey, my name's not Jack. Oh, I'm sorry. I have a wrong number. What's your name? And then they start to initiate a two-month conversation where they eventually say, hey, have you invested in uh, in uh, cryptocurrencies? Because I know a great way to do it. And then it turns out you invest $400,000 of your money into it. Why can't people understand in the digital world these simple and, in as far as I'm concerned, instinctive nuances on how communications happen? Um, because scams happen online that never would happen in reality. Never right. happen right. So why is it that I'm okay with making sure, like in the state of Florida, accessibility says every single exterior door has to open outward and huh. the door has to have enough clearance to where it cannot like fill up the curb, like all the way to the curb okay. kind of thing. Um, okay. Why is it okay for people to agree with that kind of simple level of accessibility in the physical world and understand right. your door needs a ramp onto it? You know, you you need to have at these intersections, these bumps on the ground yep. so people who yep. are blind can feel them and know what they're doing. Why is it so easy for people to understand that it's needed in the physical world, but with the online world, you know, they might as well be listening to a flat earther talking about how, you know, we're all actually in living in a simulation and just be okay with it. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I, I hear you. I, you know, if people... I, I, I've told people this a few times, like, if I would ever, like, kind of uh, screen capture me working for the day, it's ridiculous how many times throughout the day I'm doing something, I need, you know, maybe I'm filling out a form, maybe I'm doing whatever, but I got to click on buttons and, and crap on these websites. So many times I'm, I'm in a process, halfway through a process of trying to submit whatever. Oh, this button, this button's not clickable. Oh, no, I can't see any button to move forward. Oh, you know, like... Just stupid little stuff like that just brings my day to a halt, you know. But like anyone else I could see, their their working day would go on just as just normal, you know. It's it's wicked frustrating. Yeah, the amount of hoops you have to jump through, if any normal person was aware of them, would literally like storm their governor's office and be like yeah, probably seriously, yeah, know, yeah. Yeah, stuff has to change. Um and this is like one of my and here's like one of my um 
um, daydream things I was like hopeful for was just self-driving, self-driving automobiles just to enable anybody with any disability at any time to be able to have the same traversal functionality that I have available mm. to them. Mm. And that still hasn't happened. And, and I got wow. bad news. I got bad news last week. Uh, George Holtz, hot, George Hotz. Oh, do, yeah. do you remember him? Yeah. Yeah, he's the original guy that hacked the PS. Oh, the Bluetooth thing. Two that, or that, three? Yeah. Can't remember. Uh, but he started his own technology company called Kama AI. And Kama AI's Ooh. goal was to sell you basically a modified Android phone for less than $1,000 and have a simple service that you subscribe to, pennies a dollar kind of thing, which would then connect into a modern car and control your braking, your steering, your turn signal, everything. Dude. And, and 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 make self-driving thing a reality. Uh, he's been at it for a couple of years, and last month he said he was stepping down. Man, which makes me think, um, you know, that last ten so, percent is harder than even he thought. Or he, he got a a visit from somebody. Oh, I guarantee you. <laughs> me and Jonathan have been through this with more times. Listen, I guarantee you, he had death threats like two years ago. Just yeah, like I told real. you, with if you try to make things too accessible, you're going to start getting death threats. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, um, here's the thing. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna very lightly traverse on a term called a digital freedom fighter, um, which means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And I'm sure 90 percent of people out there never thought of that term. Um, one of the first digital in air quote freedom fighters I can tell you about is Moxie Marlin Spike, who is the creator and author behind Red Phone and Signal text messaging app to where he basically mastered encrypted communications back and forth so much that a lot of governments let's just say don't like him very much right (laughs) um to where this guy also uh george holtz was really teetering on that precipice to being on government list because of the stuff he was doing was not acceptable he jailbroke he he was the guy who first jailbroke the iphone he okay. was the guy that first cracked Sony DRM protection on PS3s, I think it was. And he did like two or three other things to such a degree that entrepreneurs and business people knew this guy's so smart. Let me throw money at him. What do you want to go after, George? Here's some money. Do you want to go to something else? Here's some more money. So his latest thing was this comma AI self-driving thing, which literally, right, I would say in 2022 would have worked on 20% of the automobiles with no extra hardware just out of the box. Bam. Really? Yeah. You plug Man. it up. It's camera would have looked forward and what it did lane changing, assistive braking, all that. Wow. Yeah. Man. So the idea of self-driving car now is at least being slowed down. No pun intended. Um, but I will say there's five different levels of automation when it comes to driving. We're clearly at level two already. We've like easily comforted into level two, even Cadillacs and BMWs have level two. Level three is what um, like Tesla's believe they can get to, which is basically full highway driving. And like I, you know, my kid's 17 years old, just getting his driver's license, just getting his car and explaining to him, you're on the highway. This is actually the safest road you could be on. And he just couldn't believe me. Right. No, no. The most dangerous road is within like two miles of our house. That's the most dangerous road. And he just couldn't believe it. So I had to explain to him, look, you're on a highway. Yes, everyone's going 50 to 80 miles an hour, but everyone's going straight. No one's exactly. cutting no one's cutting across from you with a 90 degree angle. No one's coming towards you 
at 180 degree angle. Or, or at least you hope not. <laughs> well, they shouldn't be unless they're in planes, trains, and automobiles, but I digress. Um, there is no traffic lights. There is no stop signs. There is no flashing lights. There's just going straight. It's the safest thing you could possibly do. Go onto back roads, side roads with cars parked on the side and possibility of kids or animals or whatever coming out in the road. That's the most dangerous road. Yeah. And with level three driving, it's complete highway autonomous driving, which is where they believe it's going to have the most impact on trucker driving. Now, the reason being is in maybe Germany, uh, there was a country where you could have a maximum of a tractor trailer with five trailers behind you. So what they were doing in that country was literally having the first truck driven, the rest of the trucks self-driven until you get to your end point. Then five people would run out and get in the cabs to do the final parking. Okay. That's interesting, but you're still not getting rid of the drivers. And yeah, that's the whole thing. You're just making them more specialized, if you will. Kind of like the people who get hired to just run onto a boat and drive a thousand vehicles off the boat into parking lots. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, oh, that, that was, uh, I just kind of thought it was, um, uh, shoot, I lost it. Oh, well, it couldn't have been that good. Well, uh, if yeah, uh, I don't know what it was. Tracy Holtz hears this, I'm sure he'll have a comment. Um, random tangent, uh, the Steam Deck. More, and, and I've, listen, I'm not going to say I came off my high horse about Steam Deck, Steam OS, Linux ecosystem. I still believe the age of the Linux desktop has begun thanks to this operating system. Um, Steam Deck pushed Linux to the highest share on Steam in years. I will say it was, I want to say it was like seven years ago, back when Ubuntu first gained prominent appeal and when um, the first um, um, gaming um like wine tricks and wine were becoming popular. People were trying yeah. to run Steam on Linux and they had some success. But now it's actually like true. Um, Steam OX is almost 8% of the people who are on Steam OS at any point in time. Um, last month they had a million concurrent people using that operating system on Steam. So, uh, you know, this is like the tidal wave, the tsunami where the water starts drawing back and then people at yeah. the beach like, Hey, where's the water going? Yeah. For real, Jared. Right. Any day oh, now. Oh, is it low tide already? <laughs> right. So like any day now it's going to come back and it's going to come back so fast and so viciously. It's going to be like, Oh, now this is the year of Linux. Yeah, it is. It is crazy, man. But even though uh, the percentage was like crazy, you know, it's like uh, Linux was at like one point. Two eight percent and Apple Mac was like two point five six or something. But with this Steam Deck, I mean that Linux percentage can quickly overtake that Mac one in no time. Yeah, and I and I will say it's like the um viral um algorithmic equation. You know, something isn't popular, isn't popular, isn't popular. Then all of a sudden, there's no stopping it. Um, yeah. I believe the simple fact that with SteamOS. They're being incredibly open about it. Number one, they're literally giving the operating system to anybody to put on anything. Um, right. And when they do, they're getting hardware profiles. And with the hardware profile, they can say, oh, you're running X hardware. You're running Y game. Well, here is the Z profile that people seem to like running off of it. Because one of the complaints exactly. I kept hearing about was 
people. Gamers just don't want to sit around and configure all the controls, you know, the different inputs. Well, <laughs> thanks to th- thanks to community-driven content, you don't have to, as long yeah, as somebody yeah. else has. And that's yeah. what they didn't really get. So if you want to be on the bleeding edge of gaming, yes, you're going to have to sit there and spend an hour configuring your input to be how you want it to be. Um, or you could just play some retro games for about a week and then come back. <laughs> Man, yeah, so, it's going to be interesting, especially when after Christmas to see how many people buy these things and how many more users there'll be. Yeah, and I think um, kind of like Gmail beta, how they literally controlled how many people were able to join in the very beginning. They literally made it to where you had to go in as a Gmail user and like click, I want to invite people. To, to do yeah, you had, you had to get like a text message to get like an invite and stuff. It was crazy. Right. So how Valve is controlling the flow now, the supposedly here right before Christmas, maybe right around Black Friday, there's going to be select retailers where you can walk in and say, I want a Steam Deck. Um, no shit. If that happens, this is where it's going to be like, you know, hold on, folks. This is going to really start to happen quick because yeah. I've heard. Now, this is all anecdotal. Okay. This is all anecdotal. I've heard more than a couple people on more than a couple podcasts say, I took my Steam Deck over to my buddy's house. We had a barbecue. Right there, four people said, I'm buying a Steam Deck. Right. You know, I, I, I took it over. It. Yeah. I uh, took it over here. It was a kid's birthday party. I had six kids scream to me, I want a Steam Deck for Christmas. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I do think it's those, one of those things that, by the time Microsoft and Sony even begin to react to this device's existence, it's already too late. It's literally already yeah. too late. I wonder if uh, if uh, Steam's gonna build some type of console, you know, PC kind of thing next. Well, that's one of the rumors. There is a new. Okay, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember all the verbiages, but you know how um, uh, all stuff has like inside names. Uh, the yeah, inside yeah. name for this Ryzen processor was hypothetically, let's just say, Homer. Yeah. There's there's a new Ryzen processor leaked that's called BART. So everyone believes this is going to be the next generation of this hardware chip. But what everyone believes is it's not going to be the Steam Deck 2. It's going to be the Steam Console 1 to where yeah. they're going to offer this just as a non-screen handle version. But yeah. the gimmick is going to be is the controls um the original steam controller they cannot sell anymore they lost a lawsuit where the back yeah, what paddles was, what, like who, who sued them or whatever? like what was the patent over or whatever um i can't remember the name of the company but what i will say is on the steam controller it has your normal uh stick d-pad weird d-pad um four buttons uh weird mouse track pad with your thumb and then it had Two L and R buttons, L1, L2, yeah. L1, three, but then it had on around the back where your pinky and your uh, wedding finger ring, or so they, it had a paddle uh-huh. with two buttons on it. And that was the paddle that they got sued over how it was implemented. Um, I can't, I don't know the name of the company, but apparently they lost in court. So as soon as that uh, happened, okay. you can't buy another Steam controller, which right now I could take my Steam controller, put on eBay, and get like 180 bucks for it. But I'm not because it's such a good controller. So uh, people believe that they're not going to release any other different hardware than the Steam Deck until they have a controller configuration, not only nailed, okay, but here's the gimmick. Um, Nintendo Switch Joy-Cons, 
for Ooh. the pair of them because there's two of them is like yeah. 70 bucks i know it's insane um a um ps um controller 60 to 70 bucks xbox oh let me phrase this low-end ps controller 60 70 bucks high-end ps controller 180 to 250 bucks damn xbox low-end <laughs> controller on sale 50 to 60 bucks x xbox elite controller i want to say 240 bucks so what everyone is thinking is if steam can make a perfect in air quote controller and like normal steam technology now you're just gonna have one controller you're not gonna have the ghetto version and then the elite controller you know, right, no. right. because that's literally bifurcating the market and literally creating the have and have nots which seems yeah. to be not what they're doing so if they can get that one controller and get that thing down to like 30 or 40 bucks they're gonna have a, a because then why would you connect an xbox controller to to it why would exactly. you connect it exactly. so that's what so that's what people are believing if they can get the console out for sub 200 bucks because the screen is a good amount of the value of the thing yeah. if they can get a, a controller and a console out for like two to 250 it's going to once again completely shift the market and again i'll just say it like this everything i ever play on this console because it's a console but just happens to be an x86 computer with a desktop i will be also able to play on the next version and the version after that and the version after that and i never have to rebuy content mm -hmm. which completely breaks everything nintendo sony or xbox has ever done that's interesting it is and i'm just really just amped to see the models being broken like you know just destroyed and then they're gonna have to scatter and rebuild and there's no doubt nintendo is going to be the most able versatile quickest to rebuild because they're nintendo they've been they've been in existence for like over 180 years i think they're going to yeah. be okay um microsoft is going to cling on to what they believe is right until the console nearly dies and then sony's going to cling until the fact where they got to take out incredible amounts of money and then they're going to be late and then they're going to overestimate and then they're going to overdo and they're going to have to readjust and they're going to take them like six years to catch on Ooh. Yes, it's, it's interesting. Which will only make other doors available for other people to come out with x86 <laughs> devices. Exactly. That's going to be interesting. And uh, looks like, uh, who, who would have thought Steam was going to bring the Linux desktop race to the forefront? I can tell you, not me. Um, I swore after their Steam boxes were a colossal, ridiculous, like, oh, neglectful right, they did, failure. They did, they did kind of sell Steam like computers, yeah. right? And, boxes. and they were a complete oh, failure. Yeah. The, yeah. What was in the Steam box cost hypothetically seven hundred bucks. I could build the same Ooh. thing for four hundred bucks. Why in the right. hell would I spend the money? And the middleware layer of Proton, which is really nothing more than wine, was not optimized. Wasn't yeah. wasn't, and it's not perfected now. So I don't want to use the word perfected, but it's not as successful as it was. You know, now, so it didn't really help you that much to where now, yeah, yeah. you know, now I want to say the last number I heard was 6,500 games are available to play on the Steam Deck, which is still more than any total wow. number of games available on any console that's ever existed. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. Um, I want to mention one more, like, um, Linux Debian Ubuntu based thing. It's only because I have such mixed feelings about this one too, Jonathan. It's it is called N A L A. I gotta believe it's pronounced Nala. Yeah, that's what my screen reader is calling it Nala. Um, and the way I'm gonna describe this is um we had app dash get 
Then we have apt. Now Ubuntu's trying to push us to snap. Okay. This is just another one of those versions. So it isn't a different package manager store. It's not it's like different sources. Yes. Thank you. Exactly. It's a perfect word. It's a wrapper. It's where you can invoke Nala commands in place of apt commands. But the real difference is the incredible beautification of what you get back. Oh um, yeah. I guess it looks a lot cooler. Oh, it, well, it looks a lot clearer, just a lot more understanding of, but the first thing you do is you have to really run a, uh, pseudo Nala fetch. And what the pseudo Nala fetch does is it goes out, it pings literally, I want to say over a hundred servers. It only responds to you like the top 15 or 16 servers according to speed. And then it tells you, okay, which mirrors do you want to keep? They're numbered one through 16, separate them by spaces, type in how many they want to keep. And unlike Debian apt, apt get or snap, it actually has the ability to do what Arch has been doing for over a decade now, which right. is simultaneously downloading from multiple nodes, AKA yep. it should make your big, big uh, updates or upgrades take much less time. Yeah, exactly. No, <clears throat> this Nala thing, it basically, I mean, a lot of the features that it was doing, I was like, Pac-Man does all this stuff. I was like, I mean, right. uh, may, maybe not how it formats, how it all looks, but all the stuff that I was saying, I was like, oh, all this stuff doesn't exist in Pac-Man. Well, I mean, oh man, okay. I'm going to semi-quote Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, um, The difference between us and the smartest chimps or orangutans is only 1%. But that 1% <laughs> is the difference between being able to use a stick tool and to go into a mound to get termites and to make the James Webb Space Telescope. I now, <laughs> imagine something 1% smarter than us, what it could do. Uh, the base apt, apt get is like the chimp to where it's like clunky, bunched up, not well sorted interface. And then when you run Pac-Man, you actually see names of apps, names of applications, percentages, and you see it coalesce right there in front of your face and you can grok it. You can get it. You can see it. Yeah. And then this is 1% better than that kind of thing to where this interface is just unbelievably clean and curses interface. Uh, the first time you run stuff, it does take a little bit longer. After that, my experience, it ran like five times quicker with everything. Um, yeah, yeah. Most of the commands went just fine. The only one that was different was I also run a pseudo apt auto clean in my string of update commands. So I had to replace mm. it with pseudo nala clean, but then I also added a new one called pseudo nala auto purge, which if something is, um, orphaned and purgeable it will automatically get rid of it oh okay that's cool yeah which i was perfectly okay with um so now like back in the day one of the biggest problems people would have with debian or ubuntu based systems was they never did auto remove they never did auto clean and eventually yeah. their their root partition would fill up with kernels exactly and that happened for decades so i said well here's my group of commands sudo apt get update ampersand ampersand upgrade ampersand ampersand disk upgrade ampersand ampersand full update ampersand ampersand auto clean ampersand ampersand auto remove ampersand ampersand and it's you know it just kept going yeah um to where now it's like 10 commands long but i'm rest assured that stuff isn't really breaking because exactly i, I mean kind of like um um oh man i can't remember his name now tom from going linux oh I yeah mean, I, I can just upgrade and upgrade and upgrade and upgrade and it's just stuff that doesn't break, which was near impossible in every other operating system ecosystem. 
I hear you. Which you is know, why, just, like, like, and my experience with that just tells me why a rolling release is so doable. Absolutely. <clears throat> well, that's why I love Manjaro. You know, they, 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 I mean, Manjaro is awesome because they use all the arts repos, but they, uh, they put a patch in the Pac-Man on the Manjaro side. So they have three branches of, of what they do with the arts repos. So they, they have the, the stable branch, the testing branch, and the unstable. So if you run the unstable branch in Manjaro, that's ba- you're basically running Arch Linux. Like, cause the unstable branch just means, hey, the second Arch throws anything over the wall, we take it and you can run it. Like, so you're, so if you run Manjaro on the unstable branch, you're basically running like up to date Arch Linux like a day late or whatever, you know? Um, but. <clears throat> The way they patch Pac-Man is so cool. You can switch the, the branches. So you could be like, oh, you know what? I'm running stable, unstable right now. I'm going to switch over to the stable branch and upgrade my system. And you, you could just do it flawlessly. You could bounce back and forth. I've did it numerous times. It's just crazy to see like the, you know, what Manjaro do with Pac-Man to be able to just bounce back and forth between a stable running version and an unstable. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. The, um, the simple fact you can go back and forth with that. Or with like Red Hat and Fedora, it literally amazes me how the operating system's backbone is fluidly dynamic enough to do it, have it still working, not break, and then undo it, redo it, and not break. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um. One more link I want to throw out there, and half the reasons I bring links is so it's in the notes. So when I go to searchpodnuts.com, it's there for me the next time. Um, there you go. This is a service literally called Cheat Sheet, and it's actually ch.t.sh. Okay. <laughs> so here's what it is. It's a little stub of an application you install, but to use the application, you have to type curl space ch.t.sh. Now, the dirty secret is right now you can go to the website ch.t.sh. <laughs> so hypothetically, if I want help on Python, I will literally just type in the command prompt curl space space ch.sh slash Python. Enter. And it will tell me all the available Python help topics to that I could put in or all the information about the basic Python and the Python versions and the, and how to install the different Python versions. That's pretty cool. It, it, this is awesome. Or I could type in curl space ch.t.sh slash ls and it will oh, give shit. me and then it shows you the whole list it will it, it will tell me everything possible to do with the ls command man um this is like i don't want to say mind-blowing but this is the kind of thing jonathan now i'm not sound i really don't want to sound stupid when i say this this is literally the kind of thing that if me and you were able to do um years ago i would have tried to find a way that we could um, actually make this happen uh, back then because there's nothing crazy here. There's no secret sauce. There's nothing incredibly difficult or complicated or different. This is just simple, old school manipulation of text data over command line. They're just, the only difference is the resulting information is coming from a web server. (laughs) That's pretty cool. That's very cool. Yeah. and, And I will say, I'm not even beginning to scratch the surface of the level of complexity that you can get from this ch.sh website. Um, 
It is unbelievably, unbelievably cool. This is the kind of thing, Jonathan, I could literally sit there working in an enterprise, have somebody tell me I need to do something. They look at me like you're the Linux nerd. You know what you're doing. I can say yes. I can then think I have no idea what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> and then I could go to cht.sh, do a couple things, do a couple things, do a couple things, and then be at least semi-confidently competent about what I'm yeah, doing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, totally. Let's kind of go back to those. Um, I don't know if we talked about them last time. It was like that new format of man pages. It was kind of like, kind of like that same idea that we, that, uh, we looked at, or I liked that a few weeks ago. I don't remember what it was called, but there's a new take on man pages also. Yeah, there, there, there's been like two or three things I've seen in the last couple months because man pages are fine. Man pages are good. I get where they're coming from. I get what they're trying to do, but they were designed and implemented back when 56k modems were still kind of new. Right. And, right. and, you know, Vanna White still looked hot on Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> and sadly, Alex Trebek was still alive. Exactly. Yeah. Um, just more proof I'm getting old. Uh, the wife was watching. Jeopardy tonight, and they announced this is the two-year anniversary of Alex Trebek's death, and I'm like, wow. No kidding. That went quick. Right? I'm surprised Jeopardy even is still going. I can't believe it's still going, considering the host has the personality of a piece of toast. Oh, that's terrible. It is. And um, I really, now between you and me, Jonathan, just I really made a couple teachers incredibly mad in the last couple months, because um. The teachers would exclaim to me how they should never use Wikipedia. No kid should ever oh, use dude. Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. college professors say the same thing. Well, less college professors are saying it today. And the and here's the logical reason why. Every kid should be using Wikipedia because the one thing Wikipedia, using Wikipedia will do, it will teach the kids over time how to use critical thinking. Exactly. Just because you're reading something does not mean you should believe it verbatim. Right. And the old school teachers believe everything you read should be perfect and unequivocal. And that's the way it should be kind of thing. And, you know, that's not the way it is. So then I really piss off those teachers who believe that. And then when I ask them, were you a fan of uh, Jeopardy back when Ken Jennings was on it? Oh, yeah. It's great, 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 great. So, well, um, you remember that uh, IBM computer that uh, kind of like destroyed Ken Jennings? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You realize it wasn't using any like artificial intelligence, but machine learning. It was literally just an advanced um, text. Yeah, um, (laughs) it was an advanced ODBC optical data character recognition that was reading the screen, taking the date, taking the text, taking out the words like if, the, you know, uh, of, leaving the rest of the words and literally doing an offline Wikipedia search. And then it was taking the first sentence out of the Wikipedia article and rephrasing it as a question. Wow. And they just like, stop. Wikipedia is not good. It's not bad. It's a tool. Nuclear is not good. It's not bad. It's a tool. A gun is not good or bad. It's a tool. Exactly. And it's like, you know, they have those. And those. some teachers have such a far way to go because one of the things that they believe is, well, I have my degree. I'm smart. (laughs) Yeah. Um, no, no, no. The original intent of college was to teach you how to learn. And then when you graduate, now you can move forward and keep learning. Exactly. That's what it's supposed to be. And I will say, uh, James Randi, I don't know how familiar you are with James Randi. I'm not. But this is a tangent-driven night. James Randi was a uh, Canadian kid who left his home at like the age of 15 
became a vaudeville type magician. Uh, when he was older, he turned into the uh, guy who was just as good, if not better than Harry Houdini with doing his uh, tricks. Uh, then later in life, he would appear on shows like That's Incredible uh, okay. back in the day where he would, in air quote, debunk people who had psychic powers and these kind of things. Um, then he went on to develop a uh, conference called The Amazing Meeting, TAM, The Amazing Meeting, where his goal was to just show like how Yuri Geller cannot bend spoons. It's a simple sleight of hand that any magician can do right in front of you. Um, and he was the guy who like coined like the phrase. In fact, people with higher educations are in most cases easier to fool because they have such an intelligence level that they have a much more easy time convincing themselves that they know the actual truth. Huh. So interesting. Now with that stated, uh, if you haven't watched it, it's a documentary. It's called, Oh man, the innocent liar. Uh, it's no, on Netflix no. or? Oh, well, I know it's on my Plex server. It's called the honest okay. liar is the name of the documentary. And it's a mini documentary. It's maybe 40, 45 minutes long. Um, <laughs> Where his and and also this was the guy that had the million dollar bounty for over oh, like twenty years. If you can prove to me, not and here's the thing: if you could prove to an independent party of people that you know dowsing rods worked, that you could communicate with ghosts, that you could telekinetically you know see things outside the walls, yeah. if you could do any of those things. Here's a million bucks. Um, and of course, after twenty something years, he said, "I'm tired of having the same people come to me. Nobody can prove anything. I'm now." changing this from being a reward type of thing to just an ed educational institute to where his goal is to just show how people can be conned and scammed into believing like uh the filipino psychic surgeries oh yeah 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 um one of his things was he went on johnny carson and he showed how the psychic surgery worked like right there on stage kind of thing where everyone was, oh. was blown away um he also was the guy that uh instructed johnny carson look you have yuri geller coming on the show Here's what you need to do. You know, don't let him touch anything. Don't let any of his helpers touch anything. Don't let him see anything before showtime. And then once showtime is out, you know, give him spoons, give him anything he wants and say, here's what, what, what it is. And the entire, what turned out to be four hour ordeal, Yuri Geller couldn't perform a single, you know, thing. He kept saying, no he kept saying, I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling stressed. This is not a conducive environment for my powers. Yes. Right. Oh, he was also the guy who um, exploited uh, the Northeastern um, reverend who was speaking to God and calling out people's names and addresses and conditions to people in the crowd who was actually communicating via a RF frequency to his wife behind the stage via a earpiece. Um, Man. And he like exposed him and it was like, you know, like ridiculous at the time. And then of course, three months later, the guy's back in business doing the same thing and nobody seemed scared. Man. Well, that's the world we live in. Short, short-term memories. Well, it is, and I'll say James Randi is one of those guys. To me, he's like Carl Sagan. Um, he's like James Burke from Connections. He's like Alex Trebek from Jeopardy. He's just a guy trying to show you his little slice of reality and just trying to get as many people on board as possible. Yeah. Now, here's the tangent you didn't see coming. Alex Trebek openly thanked one person for the success of the TV show Jeopardy. And I'm sure you know who that okay. is, right? One person, huh? Yep, huh. one person. Uh, I don't know. And it isn't, um, I can't remember the guy's name now, and it isn't the guy who used to have a talk show who basically sponsored the show in the beginning because he canceled the show. The show was off the air, and 
three months after it was off the air, because things take time, Weird Al released the song I Lost on Jeopardy. And that, oh, my. Sh- and that show's popularity single-handedly made the network bring that show back on the air. Really? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now with that stated, also on I my Plex that. server. Oh, it is. Uh, also on my Plex server is Weird, the Al Yankovic story, which is not filled with truths. Oh, at all. really? Oh, it's a uh, mockumentary parody biography oh, pick where, okay, okay. where he drinks and has a lot of uh, drugs and he has sex with Madonna. Oh, I got to see that. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> well, and like one part of the movie, he developed the song Eat It before Michael Jackson <laughs> developed the oh, song that's, Beat It. That's funny. And um, people were coming to him trying to get the Weird Al bump because like, you know, Coolio kind of thing. Like once Weird oh, Al yeah. parodies your song, you do see a bump. So he did exactly. it the opposite to where people early in his career were coming to him to get the Weird Al bump. That's funny. That is. Now, I will say, part of me, I really I would much rather have a real Weird Al documentary because I find the guy really fascinating. Totally. Um, but at the same token, if he's behind it, it's the kind of thing I have to, to support it. And here's the other example I'll use. Um, he's the kind of guy, there's not many of them, because he's clean. He is free. He is G. He is honest. He is himself. He's not an yeah. addict in anything. He's not belligerent. He's not mean about anything. He's the kind of guy for the rest of my life. I would be happy to contribute 10 bucks to him for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear that. Because I, I know it's going to end up in making me smile or laugh. Yeah. He said, I'm going to have to, that I, I actually, is that new? That just kind of came out, right? Uh, it just came out on the fourth exclusively on the Roku channel. If you do not have the Roku channel, I have the hard copy on my Plex server. Just let me know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think I heard someone mention like there was to be a weird out like documentary thing coming out so like oh that's cool but i didn't realize that's what it was I, I'm, I'm actually a little more excited to watch uh to watch it this way it, it sounds like it's funny and cool well i'll say like about half the people i know hated it and the other half the people loved it and the example i'm going to use is um or yours and my friend chad wallenberg says not sure i liked it at all we are double and dan said me and the wife absolutely loved it mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which just once again kind of nails Dublin Dan, cool guy. <laughs> Makes you think twice about that freedom hater Chad Wallenberg. I didn't say that. You can't prove it. <laughs> but now, now here's where I truly digress, Jonathan. Um, we've only done four episodes in 16 months. Granted, we've done three in the last four weeks or whatever. Um. It was literally difficult for me to scrape this content together because, and I did watch a um, um, talk, an air quote, between Linus Torvald and some nerdy guy at the Kernel Developer Conference, which was oh, less was than four Greg, weeks ago. Greg, Greg nope. Hartman or nope. something like that? No. Even, even more boring than that guy. Um, oh, okay. And like 40 seconds into the talk, Linus just admitted just flat out, this is boring. Everything with Linux today is boring. And he's not wrong. There's nothing about Linux in today's ecosystem that is exciting, that is exhilarating, that is game-changing, that is all-inspiring, that is... No! Everything in Linux that I can find is boring, except for, like, advanced, interactive, dynamically changing man pages. (laughs) You know? Right? Or or we're using curl to get... uh... (laughs) 
<laughs> right. Our cheat we're, sheets. Right. We're literally using like 45-year-old technology <laughs> for our cheat sheets. Um, but the other thing that he did bring up in that talk uh, was the fact that now for like two months, he's been on a, an air quote, ARM laptop. Interesting. And then he kind of let it like accidentally, I guess, ooze out of his mouth like pus that it was a MacBook. Um, and then because he was like, you know, some things aren't completely working, to which makes me just want to like slap him in his face. Right. Duh. You're using a MacBook. Um, yeah. So it's like, you know, I do think it's going to be very interesting with the Linux kernel yeah. and Rust, which they're going to finally implement here very soon. I think it's going to be very interesting how much Rust advancements we're going to see because uh, one of the other links we're not going to bring is literally Rutgers. I think it was Rutgers um, saying, um, I'm sorry, it was the register saying the year of the Linux desktop is no joke and it's only inevitable. And they say it's inevitable because Windows will eventually completely forfeit the desktop market because it's not making enough money. I'm not going to say they're wrong. But I don't think they're completely right either. Um, yeah, yeah, I do. I do think that there is much more money in subscription services. I do think if Microsoft charges a subscription service just for the desktop, I think they might see enough of a mass exodus to other things because there's so many things you can run in the browser that it would be detrimental to their business. And I'm sure these are the kind of things that lawyers and accountants measure constantly and reevaluate. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but also I think the shift of arm based infrastructure becoming much more mature, much more powerful, much more stable, much more well-documented, uh, changing much less dramatically as quick, um, and having, you know, good buses, good IO, good Ram on top of them will make things like a windows desktop less popular over time. And here's the other reason why I'll say that I spoke to three people in the last couple of weeks and all of them openly admitted to me. They're basically never on their desktop or laptop unless they have to do like podcast related task. Uh, that would never be, uh, it, that would be the day I stopped using my desktop computer or laptop. I hate my cell phone as anything other than a phone or to just consume media. Like, I c cannot do any actual work on, like, a phone or tablet at all. Like, other blind people can. That's not my workflow. Yeah, I'll say my 9 to 5 has to be on a computer. There's no getting around yeah. My home life, I obviously use it for podcasting. But to be honest, the other thing I use it for is video consumption, which nobody understands why. It's like this. It's very easy. On my desktop, I have Plex plugins, YouTube plugins, and Netflix plugins that will let me take the video up to 3x or above. Because anything right. less than 2x is pointless, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but also on YouTube, I have a another tool called Sponsor Block, to where other users will mark a time in a video when the douchey host will say, and this video is brought to you by my favorite earbud manufacturer ever, Raycon. And Raycon's so cool that I don't know. I don't <laughs> want to hear any of that crap. So sponsor block automatically skips all of that kind of content. That's why. And then I have YouTube enhanced, which I can take it up to 4X or 5X. Um, it also will enable me to do um, 
like one or two more things that I cannot do on mobile devices. So the only time I will watch anything video wise on a mobile device is if it's guaranteed to be less than like 30 seconds worth of content. Otherwise you lost me, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Can you watch five or six times X you're saying on YouTube? Uh, it depends on the browser. It depends on the processor kind of thing. Uh, if I close all the tabs, open up only one tab on Firefox with YouTube um, enhanced, I can go up to like four, it, it, and it depends on the amount of video uh, um, actions yeah. is the way I'll put it. Uh, some videos I can go up to like 8x and yeah. it still plays fine. Some videos I can't go above like 4.5x. Yeah, yeah. It also depends on the people talking and stuff like that. If you can well, hear it I, clearly or not. Right. I can always go into the settings and lower the quality down, which helps. Um, but it's the amount because it, what it is, it, it, it comes to what's called uh keystoning. I believe it's keystoning, what it's called, when YouTube algorithmically decides because of the amount of things changing in the background, how often we have to take a complete uh like um um complete inventory of the complete screen. The more wow. frequently the backgrounds are changing, the more frequently YouTube has to take that a uh, key point indicator so then the more frequently the video is going to use more bandwidth. Um, okay, if I it's see. just a guy sitting in front of a green screen and nothing behind him is changing, it's always black and it's just him talking, you can go up to 10x with no problem. That's cool. I know. What but, is, that a, is, that a, is that an extension or something? Oh, uh, yeah. Firefox extension, literally just called YouTube cool. Enhanced. I got to check that out. Yeah, I, I love uh, Sponsor Block, R Return YouTube Dislike, and Enhancer for YouTube is what it's called. Huh, cool. And then I have my Plex Pace plugin, and then I have my Netflix Speed Control plugin um, to where I can speed up that cut. Because even if I'm watching Star Trek with James T. Kirk, to watch it at 1x, it's literally like he's on Valium. Yeah, and Netflix only goes like 1.5x or some crap like that. Yeah, with uh, Netflix Speed Control, you can go up to, you can go up to uh, 3x. Oh man! All right, yeah, I'm gonna have to install some plugins now or some extensions rather. Yeah, because like you know, as much as I say like I love Carl Sagan, like literally, like the guy was like utterly inspirational to me as a youngster when I stumbled across him on PBS doing Cosmos, trying yeah. to watch the original Cosmos now at one X, dude. I would literally need like a, like a medical marijuana card or something to sit through that because that's just because <laughs> it is like wow, his speech is so deliberate right and, right yeah. yeah yeah can't do it can't do it yeah 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 so um i'm gonna throw out there again that i am not the absolute best person when it comes to driving community engagement uh but if you think this is the kind of conversation you would like to be a part of super easy podcast at Linux for the best of us com ping me on YouTube comments, ping me on discord, ping me on, unfortunately, Twitter, uh, yeah, or, right. <laughs> or even Facebook. Um, don't try to ping me on Mastodon because I, I'm not paying for a server right now. Um, what about your, what about your Instagram account? Uh, what <laughs> to paraphrase Charlie in the chocolate factory? No, no. Willy Wonka in the cho chocolate factory mumbler. You're mumbling. I can't understand a word you're talking. <laughs> Next time, speak a little bit louder. I'm a bit deaf in this year. Yeah, um, I had somebody try to ask me if I had an IG account. And I'm like, um, you understand, like, I would, like, sooner, like, go to the White House and support the current president. <laughs> and he's related to me. He's like my fourth cousin. No kidding. 
yeah, if I go to my family graveyard up by Rocky Gap State Park, off in the corner behind some bushes, because we're kind of ashamed of them, we have Robinettes. <laughs> we have some Robinettes back there, and that's his middle name, Robinette. And I believe it's his great-grandmother, or he's so old, it's his great-great-grandmother is buried back no there. No kidding. And, that's crazy. And here's the thing, I bet you money, he doesn't even know it. Oh, yeah, right. I yeah, bet yeah. you. I bet you the Secret Service knows it because that's their job. Right. <laughs> but I bet you that he doesn't know it. Well, all right, Mr. Jonathan. Um, A, I always thank you for coming in and hanging out. Yeah, thank you, sir. Uh, we did have time. we did have one comment in the YouTube chat the entire show, which makes it really easy for me to keep up with. Uh, oh, it was from Michael K. And he says, doesn't Fedora DNF package manage have similar functionality? And I'm pretty sure it's similar functionality to the NALA. Nala Pro- probably yeah I, pro- I would imagine I, I, I barely use dnf i would nearly guarantee it and the reason i almost guaranteed it because in reality apt is like debian it's like incredibly i don't want to say old but it's incredibly mature and slow to change right okay right. arch has been doing it for at least 10 years if not 12 years so there's no doubt in my mind, Fedora and DNF have started to do it like at least six years ago because Fedora. Yeah, because D- yeah, DNF came out like I, I kind of thought you just said maybe six years ago or whatever. So it, it probably did implement a bunch of that stuff. Yeah, and, and I know when DNF came out, it was extremely advanced. Like it, it was taking and that like Red Hat kind of base and literally like giving it a steroid injection to make it more exactly. advanced. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so I'll say thank you very much for the comment, Michael K. And, uh, you know, we should try to be about here around the same time in maybe a week or maybe two. Exactly. So, Jonathan, uh, is there any uh, parting words, words of wisdom, or uh, any kind of things you want to end off with? Well, use free software when you can, uh, always. That's the first thing you should always do. And if you have to hate freedom, uh, do it uh, despairingly and then go back to free software. Yeah, I'll say if um, any single platform is so important to you that you can listen to like an hour long uh, uh, rampage about it and that platform happens to be Twitter, I think you need to reevaluate what you're thinking. (laughs) Kind of like I said to my oldest son and my wife, I said, look, there's one rule we should all adhere to right now, starting today. If we say anything, think anything or believe anything and then we stop and think that your father or my father might agree with that. We need to start, we need to shut up and reevaluate because we're wrong. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> because what's the likelihood an 80 year old person is right about anything in 2022. And the answer is there's only two possibilities. Slim and none. Yeah. Seriously. So with that, my age is self is out and I will talk to everyone again real soon. See ya.